We've all started places. We started as an intern. We got our first job, a summer job, the next job, but we move along the path towards career success. And for many of us, that means a lot of different jobs. When you start as an intern and you end as the president of that same company, man, that takes grit. Meet Andy Felter next. This is a dash of grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things. Now, podcasting from Spire to leaders in local communities like yours, here is Brian Leflock. And let's get cooking. So Dash of Grit talks about hurdles and struggles along the way. And when we talk about along the way, usually it's from point C to point D or point from point M to point J or however. Very rarely is it from beginning to end, A to Z. Today is a lot about transitions, and it's about company transitions and personal transitions. Talk about starting from zero and ending up the hero. That's what we're going to talk about today. And we're going to do so with our guest, Andy Felter. He's the president and CEO of Webster Industries Incorporated. Now, Webster Industries is based in Tiffin. They've got three locations nationwide. They serve an international audience. They do engineered get this right, Andy, engineered conveyor components manufacturer. And here's what this means. I'm going to take a shot at this, Andy. What this means, if you picture the forestry industry or recycling or grain, and you've got a big pile of stuff that needs to move from here to there, they need chains and they need conveyors. And that's what you do, right? Absolutely. We're advancing (laughs) products and putting them through products, all our processes all over the world. Yeah. And it's such an important job and it keeps America moving. And, uh, and when you guys go down, businesses go down. And so you're really important. We thank you for your service. Andy, welcome to Dash of Grit. Yeah, thanks, Brian. I'm glad to be here and uh, glad to share some of my stories. So. I'm really glad you're on, on the show. And, and, I, and I can't wait to get to your story. I'm going to give a, a hint real quick. You started at the company as an intern. You're now the CEO president. And I can't wait to talk about that. Before we do, um, share with me some good stuff. Uh, brag a little bit about Webster. What are the things you're accomplished? What are the things that you're proudest of? Tell me how success looks like before we talk about the grit. Yeah, well, we're uh, long-term thinkers and long-term uh, business uh, um, manufacturers and in industry. We've been a, we were established in 1876 hmm. um, by Towner K. Webster and. Uh, really uh, developed the company over 140 plus years through three different ownership groups. Basically, uh, Toner K. Webster was the first owner. Then the uh, Nordholt family owned the business privately here locally um, from about 1930-something, 1940s through the 1980 period. And then after that, uh, the family sold the company to the employees here in Tiffin, Ohio, and um, the employees have owned the business since 1986. Fantastic. And that's that's success in itself. The whole ESOP idea, employees uh, employees owned, is fantastic. What an amazing way to treat your customers and, and your employees. Yeah, I tell people every day that, you know, I work for the employee owners of Webster. That's my position here at Webster as the president and CEO. And uh, I report to them every single day and work hard for their in their behalf. And uh, that's what makes it great here too, is that we do work for ourselves and we do work for the people that are right here in Tiffin, Ohio, as an ownership group. We're not working for shareholders that are outside the area or um, investors or people like that. We work for ourselves. And uh, 
so that means Webster's success is our people's success and vice versa. So, yeah. And that's what it's all about. And, and the people that you work with and for, as you said, they live there and they contribute to that community and they're part of the success of the whole fabric. And you're really making a difference in that. So congratulations. Well done. You are at the top of the chain, right? CEO, president, but you didn't start there. You started as an intern and I'm interested just in diving right in. Uh, it's easy to start something. It's re- It's also easy to quit. Tell me about the journey from intern to CEO, where, where did you have to show the grit to accomplish that? Yeah, I, I you know, I have to give a lot of credit to um, my predecessor, Fred Spurk, who was the president and CEO before I came on board and uh, some of the management team that were in place then. At, and that was at the beginning of the ESOP because I started in 1986, the same time the ESOP started, I started as an intern hmm. uh, from Ohio State and got an opportunity to work with the management team when the uh, ESOP first started and got orchestrated here in Tiffin. And so learned right along with those folks and got an opportunity to really wear a lot of hats in the organization. I was an accounting finance major at Ohio State, but I didn't relegate myself to just accounting and finance. I did industrial engineering and really learned the whole operation at an early stage. I actually did time studies when I first started here at Webster um, and uh, did some industrial engineering stuff, cost accounting and different things. And I figured out, you know, early on that I really love that type of work, you know, wear a lot of hats, more of an entrepreneurial type business that is invested in making improvements all the time and really allowing people to um, reach out and branch out and take on other duties and responsibilities that aren't necessarily in your line of uh, work or niche that you thought you were going to be in, like you would be in a larger corporation or less than an entrepreneurial type uh, organization that Webster really was. So that was my early start. You know, I, I did that with some relatively uh, young executives that just started in the business in an ESOP and learned from those folks. And um um, actually left the company for a while for about five or six years and went into the automotive industry and learned that business a little bit, but uh, mm-hmm. got recruited back to Webster in 1996. And uh, ever since then, I've had a number of different roles from corporate controller to, um, you know, uh, operations, back into operations, vice president of operations, and served a lot of different roles. And I guess the, you know, the big challenging thing, the thing I really loved about that was that I did get an opportunity to be in different roles, take on different responsibilities, learn along the way, because I like to learn new things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like to have a vision of what the company could be in the future. And also, I really love the purpose of, of Webster, which is really just advancing people for a better opportunity for those folks that work here every single day or work in Newburgh, Oregon, where we're at, or work in Meridian, Mississippi, where we're at also. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I love seeing the success of those people. I did it an early um, part of my career here at Webster and loved working in those teams and that family environment and forwarding, making those people, giving those people an opportunity to really advance their lives and, um, so that's what I really loved about it. So and after that, I really had an opportunity um, to keep developing as some of those early um, executives retired, the leadership team retired. I replaced uh, vice president of operations, which was George Talford. 
And then later, the succession of Fred, who wanted to uh, move on, we needed to select a new president to take the company forward. And uh, that's when I got that job in 2010. And this is about the 10-year anniversary of the time that I've been president of the organization. So that's a, that's a rapid climb. There's all kinds of questions that I want to ask. I'm wondering about, I, I, I hear a lot, and I think we talk a lot about imposter syndrome. And imposter syndrome is, okay, I'm in this job. I hope no one figures out that I really don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. And, I, and I'm wondering if there was ever that time along the, along the path, like we all start small and we all end up where we end up. And that's fine. That's very similar. But you've been, you've taken positions that you've, seen been done a different way. You've seen better people than you at the time do them. And now it's up to you. Was there ever a time when you're like, look, I'm way in over my head here. Don't they realize I'm, I'm still just the intern. (laughs) Did that ever happen? Absolutely. I mean, there's been several times in my career, but in particular, you know, obviously when I became president, you know, Fred's advice was that's the loneliest job in the world, you know, kind of scared me actually at first, you know, it's like, well, that's a great endorsement for uh, <laughs> this new position. It's the loneliest job in the world. And, you know, you got tons of responsibility, 300 and some employees that you're really all re- responsible for all those folks. And, you know, it was, it was definitely daunting. And it was also daunting because I wanted to do it in my own way, too. I, I mean, I had a limited amount of experience working for the same company for a long period of time, which was great and gave me a lot of insight into the the company, but it also um, didn't allow for maybe a lot of room for doing it a different way. And I really yeah. wanted to do it a different way. Um, so that was kind of a, a challenge for me to figure out how to, you know, honor the past history that we've had and the great successes that we've had, but also implement change in the organization and really take us forward to another whole nother level um, yeah. was really kind of a daunting task. And something in my mind that was making me think, you know, am I really going to be able to do this and change this company of 140 year history in a significant way and change it into a new direction. And um, that was a little bit um, challenging at first. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me more about that. What, 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 give me an example perhaps of, of something that you tried to do that maybe there was pushback, either you kept going or realized that you were wrong. Um, give me some examples of where being the new kid in the seat, but yet the person that everyone knew was, was challenging for you. Yeah, I think it was just, um, you know, in a lot of ways, thinking about things in a different way, you know, we were consistent, you know, over time, we were a foundry operation or a, a maker of conveyor chain components. And what we've tried to be is more of a solutions provider a customer focused company that solves problems for our customers, whether it's chain or conveyors of vibratory equipment or castings in some instances, you know, how can we change our, our model from just being a manufacturer of this product to a solutions provider that provides technical expertise to people and really grow our business. And, Mm -hmm. um, you know, that was a, a really kind of a reach because we were before into really kind of a conservative company. You know, we were financially secure, but we really weren't looking for a lot of growth or um, market share increase. And what we really felt at the time was we were 
primed for growth and really advancing the company forward. And if you just, if you remember back in 2010, when I became president was coming off the great recession of yes. 2008 and nine. So, you know, our business was at a relatively low level back then and thinking about doubling our stock price or doubling our um, sales uh, top line revenues was mm-hmm. kind of a daunting task. So, you know, those were some of the goals we put out set for ourselves over the next five to 10 years. And, um, you know, we did achieve those. So, yeah. And at the same time you were making those changes, you were also, the company was also transitioning into the ESOP model. And I'm wondering if that transition at the same time that you were trying to lead a, a new direction, did that add a layer of, of hurdles or did it actually help the process? Uh, was there a time when both those things kind of came together and either was the perfect storm or the perfect highway? Yeah, I think there's, it's both. There's hurdles and there's opportunity in that. You know, mm. certainly the employees have a vested interest. And in, like I said before, you know, the success of each individual employee is success of the company and success of the company gets paid back in, you know, retirement benefits and mm-hmm. stock price, basically, you know, without going into a lot of detail. Yes. That's how it works. So, you know, employees benefit by company success. But also it, it um, creates some challenges too, because you have people that are ready to retire and they're cashing in their benefit that they've worked their 25, 30 year career. That's right. And want to take their money away from the company and have a good retirement, which we wanted people to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So that was a concern, but also keep the company viable and in existence for the next generation of folks that are coming along, which we were successful in both um, angles. As far as I'm concerned, you know, we did honor those people that have invested a great deal of their life for the company. And uh, they had a really nice retirement when they left and uh, the company uh, retirement program really worked out well for them, but it also, we sustained the company and actually grew the company over the last 10 years to being something even more than it was Back in 2010, when a number of those executives and uh, senior folks um, retired, so yeah. and and I get it. I get the model of. Uh, I think I've been a commissioned salesperson all my life. I I I, I work for what I earn. I, I believe in my company. I feel like an owner of my company, and though, even though I'm not, I understand that if I don't do well, we don't do well. And I and I think so. I get that model. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest part about? being the president of a company that's an ESOP company, is there is there pushback, things that they don't understand, the employees that don't get it? Or what's the hardest thing about that maybe is different uh, of being a president of your company as opposed to maybe a similar company that's not an ESOP model? Well, I'm not exactly certain about that because my business philosophy and I think our business purpose here at Webster is really about putting people first, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, it makes it maybe easier to have that model because we are all owners too. But, you know, so maybe from that perspective, it makes it a little bit easier running an ESOP company because it's easy to put people first when you don't have to worry about outside shareholders and constituents as much. I mean, we're all still worried about the customer. That's first and foremost. I mean, right. those are the people that we really want to take care of. But, um, 
underneath all that, we really do want to advance people and we want to make them successful and we want to make their family successful and we want to make the communities successful that we're in. So Mm -hmm. from that perspective, maybe it's a little bit easier um, running an ESOP company, but my philosophy is that I would want to be doing that no matter what kind of company I was Mm. running. And we want to be long-term thinkers. We don't want to be short-term thinkers for the, you know, stock price this quarter or the stock price this year, or even the stock price the next three years. We want to be um, sustainable for five, 10, 15, 20 years. We've been in existence for over 145 years. So Mm -hmm. um, this is actually our 145th anniversary of the company's history. So, you know, we want to be here for another 150 years. I won't be, but (laughs) I would be happy to look down and if Webster's still in existence 100 years from now, I would be totally pleased about that. So So you're an intern that came from the, you were an intern and you rose all the way to the top. When you look to hire folks, do you look for the same kind of of go get them attitude? Do you look for something? How do you go about building that culture in your company that people want to stay and be a part of what you do? Yeah, I think we have a real strong value system here and it's part of the communities that we exist in. You know, we exist in smaller communities, 20,000 people, 25,000 people in Tiffin, Mm -hmm. Meridian, Mississippi, and uh, Newburgh, Oregon, which is about a 24,000 people town. And, um, you know, I think that value system really kind of projects into our employee level too. It's, we call it, you know, care values because it's have a can-do approach to life and work, always do what's right, respect one another, and uh, have a little bit of everyday grit, which is your podcast. Yes, sir. That's one of our core values is grit, you know, because I think we have a lot of people that have a lot of intestinal fortitude and grit and determination every single day to get up and try to get better every single day. And that's what makes our company really great is we live out those four values every single day and we try to revolve everything we do every strategy we do around corporate health, which is centered on those care values that we have. So yeah, it's one of the things I love about your company and what I know about it is that those value statements are entrepreneurial value statements. If I was starting my own business, they might be extremely similar. And, and, and yet you're a a international, very large, uh, uh, you know, relatively speaking company corporate approach. And, 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 and yet you keep those. I'm interested now in, the future. So what's next for Webster Industries? Where are you going? Where do you see hurdles coming? Where do you see issues? And where do you see the next opportunity for you and your team to show some real grit um, to make the the good things happen in the future? Yeah, I think, um, you know, one thing that happened uh, last year, last year was our 10-year anniversary of what I call our new leadership team. You know, it was uh, 10 years um, from 2010 when we started this journey. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, it just happened to be a pandemic year too, which was, yeah. we had to show a lot of grit and determination during that time. But, you know, what I'm really proud about our team, and I think we've done great is we really had that grit and determination to get through that pandemic and really work together and be agile and, you know, work from home when we had to and adjust and come back to work when we had to and keep the plant running and all those things. And, We even embarked on a growth effort during that time, even though sales were down and, you know, 
things looked mm-hmm. kind of grim and we didn't know if business was going to come back. We were confident that we were going to be sustainable and we were going to do some good things. So we ventured off into an acquisition mode and we actually bought the uh, business in um, Newburgh, Oregon, which was called Action Equipment Company. And we mm-hmm. took on 35 more associates and uh, added to our revenue um, streams and uh, really leveraged a, a product that was already in our product of uh, our portfolio of products, vibratory equipment, and really mm-hmm. extended that model beyond. So I think, you know, we reached deep and didn't just say, hey, are we going to sustain ourselves through the the pandemic? We said, hey, we're not only going to get through it, we're going to be better coming out of it, stronger, and uh, we're going to add more people to our organization. We're going to impact more lives and we're going to grow our business and be more significant to more customers in our industries that we serve. And, um, you know, so far, We've done, we've been successful at that. And it's been a really good acquisition. They're doing great out there. We're doing really, um, have some strong business uh, um, volume going on right now with like everybody else, you know, business has really bounced back in the manufacturing industry, steep demand for our products, which our biggest challenge is really just how are we going to make sure that our supply chain keeps us in products that we buy and yep. also how are we going to man up this increase in uh, capacity that we need to really kind of grow our business service customers that want our products because they're domestically made and we service better than everybody else and um, you know we do all some great things so how are we going to make sure that we can service the, all the people that really want our products at least basically is the big hurdle right now yeah yeah, and and it's it's so inspiring that by taking that time when things were down, when the chips were down, and you invested and and grew, and now you're able to impact all these companies. And I said at the beginning of the podcast, you make America kind of work. If you're down, if your business is down, they're down. No one's. I mean, you got to have this stuff has to move, yeah. and and without that, everything stops. You're impacting the growth of of a lot of people impacting a lot of jobs in a lot of communities through a lot of businesses. And you did that through the, through the growth. Is there the, what's, what's going to stop you? What, what's the thing that could make things kind of hit a wall in the future? Let's pretend that COVID goes away. Um, but what else could, you know, with this rapid expansion, what else could be, could get in the way of your future growth? Yeah, I know. I should probably say that, you know, the reason we did that is because I trust the people we have here to do the do some great things. You know, we have great people in all areas of the company. So that's what gave us the confidence to really go forward and really invest in our business instead of being cautious or scared and being aggressive because we have great people that work here every single day and they can take our company forward. Yeah. There are some things I'm, I'm concerned about, you know, they're mostly internal though. We don't worry about things outside of the company. We don't worry necessarily about competition. We don't worry about um, those external factors as much as we are concerned with how are we going to get better every single day yeah. here at Webster and how is each individual going to make a contribution to getting better every single day. That we know if we do that, I know we're going to be great. We're going to do great things and we're not going to have any of those hurdles to overcome. You know, I mentioned things about supply chain being uh, a clink in the 
link of mm-hmm. supply, you know, supply and manufacturing. And that's certainly a concern. You know, we buy steel, that's our main purchased uh, commodity. And, um, you know, everybody knows that steel prices are going up on a consistent basis and are, there's allocations and it's tough to get steel. And for, for those reasons um, that the global market is just hungry for demand is high and it's going to continue to go high. So, um, you know, those could, that can be a hurdle, but, um, you know, I think we'll overcome that. We'll figure out ways to really make that happen. Um, the one thing, the other thing that I guess maybe I'm most concerned about is really just adding people to the organization yeah. that can replace the great people we have now. I mean, everybody's not going to be here forever. Right. <laughs> and we have a lot of people that are retiring from our organization because they had great careers, 25, 30 years, 40 years in some instances, you know, and how do you replace those people? You don't replace them. You try to build up over time and you have programs like, um, you know, uh, emerging leader programs or journeyman programs for our manufacturing technicians and all those kind of development tools and ideas to bring people up in the organization to help them succeed because that's what's going to keep the organization going. Thank you, Andy. We're going to wrap up in just a second. I want to uh, a quick plug for my company. And, and you bring up, Andy, the idea of people and trust in people and trust in your people, which allows you to expand. And it's one of the things about Spire um, that I love. Um, I've worked with Spire now for uh, 12 of the 15 years that they've been in, in business. And I never have once sold something to a customer that my people, our people didn't deliver with excellence. And that is such an amazing thing for a salesperson, for an owner, for whoever. If you're representing your company, you're also counting on the people within that company. And uh, so a quick shout out to my folks at, at Spire as a little bit of a commercial or plug for our for ourselves, um, because it's my show and I can. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, I, you know, if you're looking for a team of people that are, are true experts, uh, true people better better than me, and but can deliver the things that I, I want you to have, then I want you to reach out to Spire. We are at spiread.com. I'm Brian Leffelock. You'll find me on LinkedIn. Uh, you can also find the Dash of Grit podcast wherever you get podcasts on Spotify or iHeart or iTunes. And Andy, thank you so much for being a guest on our show and, and sharing your, your story. I love the fact that you started and yet you finished. A lot of people find an extra on-ramp, off-ramp or two to go and try something else, uh, to, to chase something shiny. And congratulations to you for sticking it through and, and being a, a great leader uh, for a lot of people and helping them stick it through too. That's so important. And thank you so much. Yeah, I appreciate that, Brian. You know, and yeah, I'm in for the long haul and I want to see this company succeed. And, um, you know, a little plug to your company, Spire, too. It's helped us learn a lot and realize some things about ourselves and marketing and telling our story that I think are really um, pertinent and important right now. And, um, you know, I think you guys have helped us a lot already. So I'm looking forward to the future with you guys too. Me too. Lots of grit in store and lots of good things on the other side. So Andy, thank you for being a guest on a dash of grit folks. We do this once a week. That is Andy Felter of Webster Industries. If you would like to get a hold of uh, Webster Industries or even Andy, if they have questions about ESOP or management styles, whatever, I imagine they could reach out to you. How, How would you have them do so? Um, email is afelter at websterchain.com or you can reach out to me on LinkedIn, afelter on LinkedIn, whatever the, just look me up, Andrew Felter, LinkedIn. However that works. Somehow the magic of, of today's media. Yeah, will will handles afelter, something like that. So very good. 
Very good. Andy, thank you for being on the show. This is Dash of Grit, folks. We do this once a week. Uh, Until the next time, please be gritty and win the day. This is a Dash of Grit. Recipes for success from courageous leaders who overcome challenges and build great things.